This podcast should not be considered as medical or legal advice. If you are looking for such advice, then do contact a professional. But please find someone that has a brain and can think critically about what's going on in the world today. This is the Collective Resistance Podcast with your hosts, Leo and Fabiola. We will be discussing why we find ourselves resisting the narratives of the common collective, as well as why the common collective resists new information. All right, welcome back, everybody. It is the start of season six here at the Collective Resistance Podcast, and we are so excited to have the guest on that we have today. And uh, Fabi's not here with me right at the moment. I'm doing a little bit of prep work for this one because uh, we were under a little bit of a time crunch between uh, jobs and whatnot. And so, uh, uh, but she is going to be here during the actual interview here, which is starting shortly. But uh, who are we going to have today? Well, we're going to have Dr. Thomas Cowan. You've heard clips of uh, Dr. Tom Cowan in this podcast in probably, I bet you, at least uh, seven or eight of our uh, 50 episodes that we've had. And uh, we've, it's been really a goal of ours to have him on the podcast as a guest, and uh, we've got him today. So let's talk a little bit about who Dr. Tom Cowan is. He attended Duke University, graduating in 1977's uh, summa cum laude with a uh, degree in biology. He then served as a Peace Corps volunteer in Swaziland, Africa from 1977 to 1980, teaching gardening in a secondary school. It was in Swaziland where he encountered the work of Weston A. Price and Rudolf Steiner, two of the greatest influences on his career. After the Peace Corps, he attended medical school in his home state of Michigan at the Michigan State College of Human Medicine, graduating in of all years, 1984. <laughs> um, Dr. Cowan is well-known alternative medicine doctor, author, and speaker with a common-sense, holistic approach to health and wellness. He has given countless lectures and workshops throughout the U.S. on a variety of subjects in health and medicine and is the author of six best-selling books, including The Contagion Myth, co-authored by Sally fallon Morrell, Cancer and the New Biology of Water, Human Heart, Cosmic Heart, Vaccines, Autoimmunity, and the Changing Nature of Childhood Illness, The Nourishing Traditions Book of Baby and Child Care, co-authored also with Sally fallon Morell, and The Fourfold Path to Healing uh, with Sally Fallon and Jamin McMillan. From 1985 until 2019, Dr. Cowan had a general medical practice, first in upstate New York, then for 17 years in Petersboro, New Hampshire, and for 17 years in San Francisco until his recent retirement from active practice. He was a founding board member of the Weston A. Price Foundation and continues to serve as its president. So really, without much further ado, let's just have Dr. Cowan on the program. So here, let me go ahead and patch him through. Dr. Cowan, how are you? Oh, do we need to uh, record on the recording in progress? Okay. The meeting. There you there. go. There. <laughs> how are you? Um, we're so happy that you could join us today and take a little bit of time out of your schedule. And I know, Fabi, you had something that came up that just kind of impromptu you wanted to run by before we kind of went through the the uh, the schedule that we had for the interview. Yeah. So. 
I, as and Leo's going to go over that, but we discovered you. It's funny how life happens, but we had a friend just share the first video you ever talked about, the pandemic. I think you were at a school or something giving a presentation. It was the very first one. And then in the end, you started kind of talking about how there was no virus isolation. You're talking about EMFs and all the other, all the possible influences that could have created this crazy situation that we are hopefully coming out of <laughs> one of these days. Um, but it, it's funny because I'm still stuck in the situation. This morning, for example, I got a call from my kids' school. So they go to a Waldorf school here in the area. And um, I get a call from the, the, the pedagogical director and she's like, um, how is your son doing? Because we have three kids, and I, I think I mentioned to you my oldest is a vaccine injured. And we went to a play this weekend, a school play, about HIV from all things. It was Rent. It was a production of Rent. <laughs> a production of Rent. And so I get a call from her, and he hasn't been feeling well since Saturday, right? So we get an email from the school first saying that there was a, a, posit, a positive COVID case, okay? And then she calls me because my son has been home for a couple of days. And she's like, well, does he have any symptoms? Because we have, we don't want him to come to school because he hasn't feeling well. I said, well, he just, you know, he's got a little drainage. It's pollen season. And he just, you know, is not really feeling up to. He's been a little tired. And she's like, well, we really encourage that he stays home for five days. And she knows I won't test. I already refused several times. But I'm just in the situation like this endless loop where, I mean, I know the test doesn't have control, so it's invalid, but can't really tell her that. Um, I, I don't even know. How, how do you get out of situations like this? Because pretty soon they're going to want to mask the kids again. My kids don't mask. Um, the only thing I can think of is get out of school. But I mean, I'm sure you, you've been in this situation so much. You know? I mean, what do you say as Tom Cowan in situations like that? I mean, you, you may not like this answer, but <laughs> one of the things I've found is that the, you know, the Waldorf schools are amongst the worst. Yes. And amongst the most clueless. As interestingly is the anthroposophical medical section. So the way I look at it is um, those people are have made whatever decision they've made, whether they actually are conscious of the decision or not, they are choosing to not work in your child's best interest. Mm -hmm. And I don't know why you would want to send your children to that school. You're the second person. I already, I mean, I think you already knew he was going to say that. I mean, here's, here's the thing. Some people say, uh, well, I, you know, I wish my school wouldn't uh, make children wear masks, mm -hmm. right? That's one approach. Yes. Uh, my approach, the way I look at it is, mass injure children mm -hmm. period no, there's no doubt about that yeah it's injured physically health-wise psychologically 
uh, you know, like I've said, the only the three people traditionally who've worn masks are shamans who want to change people's consciousness, mm -hmm. right? They okay. wear like uh, animal masks. Uh, that's one. Uh, the second are uh, like bank robbers. Yes, that's true. And the third are like slaves. So yeah. like in, in the United States during pre-Civil War, they made all the slaves wear masks to show that they had no voice. Right. Right? So I, So those are the three reasons to wear a mask. Either you want to change people's consciousness, you want to rob a bank, or you want to uh, show that you're a slave. Mm -hmm. uh, so I, so any school that allows a child to wear a mask, not makes them, allows them, I wouldn't send my child to that school. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Period. I think I think that we, uh, we we like to butt our heads into walls yeah. often, and I think that we have come to probably the end of that rope. Um, I think we were so in love with uh, Rudolf Steiner and our mm -hmm. early experience with uh, Waldorf sure. education at the first school, you know, pre-pandemic, and, uh, uh, you know, that we had a fantastic teacher, and it was like we wanted that all the way through eighth grade for our, our, our children, and, and I think we're realizing that it's just not going to happen. <laughs> it's not going to happen. It's yeah. Gonna... <laughs> they, they have made their bed, and... Uh, I I don't see having anything to do with them. Yeah. yeah. Because there's nothing I can, there's nothing you're going to be able to say. That's to right. Convince them. Yeah. That, you know, because because their decisions are not based on logic, rationality, or science. They're based on funding or dogma or superstition <laughs> or, or CNN <laughs> or whatever. They <laughs> yeah. don't. And, and I mean. And if you want to know that for sure, just ask them or the administrator of the school the same question. So these days, I don't really tell anybody about, quote, viruses. Mm -hmm. I ask them, explain to me how a virologist knows there's a virus and knows that it causes disease. Right? Right. And ask them. Ask, ask this teacher. Ask the administrator. Now, they will either say something completely ridiculous, mm -hmm. like, well, like the guy from BuzzFeed who interviewed me to do a story on what an idiot I am. Said, oh, my God. I asked him, I said, well, I want to make sure you're, you say you're the science editor, so let me ask you some questions. I said, how do you know that? He said, well, the consensus of virologists is that it exists and causes disease. The consent, yeah. Of course. So I asked him, so what percentage of virologists have to agree before it becomes a fact? Is it 80%, 60%, 97%? And so essentially he, what he's saying is what a virologist does to prove there's a virus is he takes a poll of other virologists, <laughs> right? So he goes to work and he says, Okay, here's 20 virologists. You you all tell me whether there's a virus. So 19 say yes. And he says if you have more than 95%, that makes it a fact. So 19 say yes. That means it's true. 
Mm-hmm. If 18 say yes, that means there's no virus. <laughs> wow. That's obvious how you do. That's how we do science. Yep. Yeah. That's and right. That, to him makes sense. That's reasonable and logical and, you know, precise. And he didn't know any other explanation. He didn't know anything about, you know, how they actually find or prove or show or demonstrate there's a virus. It, you know, and the, the real issue here that I now have been saying more and more is yeah. if you, the, here's, here's my description of science in, in May, that's, it's right, May, May 2022. Okay. The enterprise of science is the art, I would call it an art, of convincing people about things that if they understood what you're talking about, would never believe it. Right. Yes. <laughs> and let, let me give you an example if anybody's, you know, those of people listening. Let's say you go away for a, a week, right? Go on vacation. Come back. Your house is blown to smithereens, mm-hmm. right? Down to rubble. And you go to the housing inspector guy, you know, and say, what happened to my house? He said, well, uh, there was gremlins there and they ate your house down to nothing. <laughs> right. right. So maybe. So, of course, you would have questions, right? Because you wouldn't necessarily believe that. So you'd say, well, uh, how do you know that? Did you find the gremlins at the house? No. <laughs> how come? They're too small. <laughs> How big are they? They're the same size as mosquitoes. Well, but you can find mosquitoes, right? I mean, I've right. seen right. They're not that small. They're small, but, that, you know. Yeah, they're, they're same size mosquitoes, but we couldn't find any at the house. So what makes you think it was gremlins that did it? Well, we found... Uh, poop there and we think that it was from gremlins (laughs) now it turns out that gremlin poop is the exact same as mosquito poop and ant poop and fly poop Uh so how did you know it wasn't from any of those Uh, well we did a genetic analysis of the poop except that is the same because the flies and the g and the they have the same genetic material as the gremlins. Mm-hmm. Now, here's my point. Nobody would be convinced by that, that there were actually gremlins there, yeah. right? Yeah. right? You would say that's ridiculous. But if you do the same with virology, so you have a sick person, you look through their snot and their lungs and their blood and everything, you don't find any viruses. You don't find a virus. Everybody agrees with that. They, they say they can't find the virus in any fluid of any sick person. There's not one published paper of any so-called pathogenic disease-causing virus in any fluid of any sick person. Mm-hmm. So like the gremlins, you would, you would be suspicious, right? Yeah. Definitely. And you might say, well, how big are they? Well, they're, you know, two micro, microns or something. Can you find things that are two microns? Yes, easily. Mm-hmm. All you have to do is, you know, filter it, centrifuge it, look in an electron microscope, and there you see them. 
Well, if you can see things that small, why can't you see there? There, uh, because there's not enough to see. Mm-hmm. So they, if you said, well, how come you can't see the gremlins? Because they're not enough there to see. <laughs> then you would say, wait a minute. How, on what theory is it that they're they ate my house? <laughs> if you can't find them in an electron microscope. Now, here's the interesting thing. They say, well, the, the viruses, they, they kill a certain part of your lungs, right? Okay. SARS. Mm-hmm. Uh, now you say, okay, you, there's not enough to see. Give me a, a real-world assessment of, of if you took all the SARS-CoV-2 virus, how big would it be? Mm-hmm. Like a baseball? No. Nowhere near a baseball. Mm-hmm. A thimble? No. A pinhead? No. A hundredth of a pinhead? No. Because you can see that on a right. electron microscope. Mm-hmm. Let's say a thousandth of a pinhead. That's how many, if you took all the viruses they say are there, that's the volume. And they mechanically eat the ear lungs. So they would eat the size of a thousandth of a pinhead. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can take somebody's you know, do a lung biopsy and take, you know, a piece like a golf ball and and nothing happens to the person. Mm -hmm. Right? They don't die. They just have a bad day and then they go on and (laughs) their lungs heal. So if this size of a thousandth of a pinhead ate away that much of your lung, nothing would happen. Mm -hmm. So then you say, well, if you can't find it, how do you know it's there? Well, we put it in a brew. We put your lung in a in a culture of monkey kidney cells and fetal calf serum, and then we took away the nutrients and then and added some poison, and the thing broke down. Hard to believe, right? And then we found pieces of genetic material in there, and we pieced them together because they're not really long strands, mm-hmm. and then we said that's the virus that's like finding the principle is if you don't have a thing you can't prove that a piece of the thing belongs to the thing that's right <laughs> right yeah yeah you say uh, this i found a hoof and it's it must be from a unicorn mm-hmm. nobody would say that yeah. unless they first saw a unicorn right nobody like, we don't think like that. Like, that's called being a lunatic. <laughs> yes. Right? Yeah. That's like nutcase. Nutcase. And yet, they, that, that's what they do, and that's what they say. But people don't know that's what they're saying. But, Dr. Cowan, do you think that, you know, in, in all of your exchanges, I mean, has there been, because, you know, we've always been open-minded. You know, we obviously had our experience with, vaccine injury with our child and that gave us pause to you know look at vaccination as a whole and make different decisions about that but when you're uh, having a conversation which I'm sure you've got colleagues on the other side of the fence I mean because it seems so black and white when you walk through that and are are they just do they just go kicking and screaming or is it or are they like Tom yeah you've got some points I I agree no. there there are no. some holes or no they don't there's nothing nothing they they the the 
the pro the trick of all this is after so many conversations is they want to get they always try to bring it to things way down the road okay mm-hmm. in other words yeah but how do you explain that we found this this interesting piece of of a a wing of an organism that we're not sure where it's from so that must be a gremlin right and and if you try to bring it back to you can't f- say something exists when you only find a piece of it yeah because that's not how human beings think in order to say this part this genome or this this whatever it is structure spike protein is part of this organism you have to show the organism first that's just then they'll show me electron microscope pictures yeah and i have what i call my uh, pumpkin challenge test <laughs> oh i know i haven't heard this one <laughs> yeah Pump, pumpkin um if 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 you let me share my screen yeah go ahead. of course Uh, wait a minute. Here it is. Okay. Okay. Can you see it? Not yet. Not yet. Just it might take a second. Host disabled. Oh, make, oh, him, make I didn't... him the host. Can you make him the host? Yeah. Hang on. Allow. Here, make host. You might have to make me yeah. host again after. Uh, I just made you the host. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Try now. Okay. Can you there see you it? There you go. Yes. Yep. All right. Uh, so this is... Uh, let me see if I can make this bigger. Yeah. All right. Here it is. Okay, so the reason I named this the pumpkin challenge test, I have a uh, about a t- 10-month-old kitten, and I taught him to say yes or no. No way. <laughs> yeah, he puts his right paw out if it's yes and left if it's no. How sweet. <laughs> uh, he, he, that may not be accurate because mostly he puts his right paw out. <laughs> okay. But anyway, so I showed him. These are uh, pictures of SARS-CoV-2, right? Electron microscope pictures. Sure, yeah. Now, half of them, or some of them, not half, are are actually published pictures saying they're SARS-CoV-2. And the other half are from, or the other part, are kidney biopsies from like the 70s, 80s, and 90s. Okay. okay. So there's no way they're SARS-CoV-2, right? Right. It wasn't invented. Right, no. exactly. So, uh, Pumpkin got six out of 11 correct, mostly because he always said yes. <laughs> okay. So, uh, let's see how you guys do. So, this is a published photograph of SARS-CoV-2. Okay. Looks convincing. Okay. You, see the, you see the proteins and everything. Right. Okay. Okay. What about this one? These are a bunch of them. Yeah. SARS-CoV-2 or kidney biopsy. Okay. I think it looks similar. Kidney biopsy. Actually, it looks like I could see the spikes better on even these. This okay. 
I'll so go. You have to say which one it is. I, oh, I would say this one. I would say kidney biopsy. Okay, I would say this is COVID. I would say COVID. Okay. This this one this, with the arrow. I'll go kidney. That one looks like somebody spilled their drink somewhere. Um, kidney or COVID? Yeah. I say kidney. Okay. This one. COVID. Oh, that looks like COVID. That one. COVID. Eh. But those look like spikes, kidney. don't they? Yeah. I say kidney. COVID. This one. This Kidney. one. COVID. I'm going fast. Here. I know. COVID. So I'm, I'm not going to tell you, but you mostly got them wrong. <laughs> yes. Because if I, if I told you which ones are which, uh, then I couldn't do this anymore. Yeah, right? that's right. That's right. So the, the, the point of that is nobody can tell. And there are now probably 10 published peer-reviewed studies saying kidney biopsies and lung biopsies debris is identical and nobody can tell the difference. Wow. Even that spike protein turns out to be a human protein called clathrin, which is what happens when, you know, you have a sick kidney and it makes this these little particles mm -hmm. and they look identical. And so nobody can tell that which one is which. Pumpkin is still the world champion. The world and, champion, I believe it. And so it's nonsense. It is it's nonsense. Proof. Well, and, and uh, you know, that that kind of segues into one of our topics, which you've kind of enlightened us to in some of the talks you've given around, you know, looking at biology and how we look at things under microscopes and, you know, how they're supposed to be specific shapes and, you know, cell membranes and all of this. And, the artifacts. And, 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 and that kind of blew my mind is like just the way we look at things and how we use um, dyes and things of that nature. Poisons. To, well, just to get them to show up in, in on the, uh, the uh, uh, image that we're looking. And we're not really factoring that in when we're discussing this. And so it's really left out of the conversation uh, when we're trying to even identify what we're looking at. And obviously, we didn't even think to question that. So you really got us thinking about that line. Um, so, you know, one of the, the questions that, that uh, Fabi had come up with as far as, you know, from your research and observations, you know, what is your conclusion about what mainstream science offers as an explanation for how our overall bodies work and uh, how you understand, you know, anatomy in this kind of new context, which is probably a context you've seen it for, for decades. But, you know, uh, what can we take out of, out of COVID and, and, uh, and kind of looking at anatomy and biology as a whole? I mean, it depends what <clears throat> what you need my anatomy. I mean, I, I agree Like the with heart, for example. We just read your book, uh, Human Heart, Cosmic Heart. And that was pre-COVID, right? You published that. Yeah. And then, we're I like, mean, he was on to something for a long time. <laughs> and then this pandemic I mean, happens. <laughs> if you mean by anatomy that we have a head, then I agree. Yes, okay. But if you mean by anatomy... You know what? What is our basic construction? Mm -hmm. Then I would say science of twenty twenty two has no clue, right? Because and here's again, it's the same idea. They get they convince you of things which, if you brought it into a real world, 
context you would never believe. Mm -hmm. So here's an example. Let's say we want to know what your hand is made of and what, what it does, right? Right, okay. Here's how we're going to do it. I'm going to cut your hand off your body and then I'm soak it in alcohol for a week or a day. And then I'm going to um, grind it up in a blender. And then I'm going to um, freeze it to 180 degrees centigrade. And then I'm going to uh, stain it with heavy metal stains. And then I'm going to shoot an electron beam at it that evaporates all the water. And you end up with a powder dust. And that's going to tell me what your hand looks like and what it's made of. Do you buy it? No. <laughs> right. Because so, nobody would. It's ridiculous. But that's how an electron microscope picture is made. No way. They do all those things. They're all st stained with heavy metals, frozen for 100 and whatever degrees below zero. They're dehydrated and the electron beam evaporates all the water. You know, th this is uh, every single image is an artifact, meaning it doesn't reflect what's real. It can't possibly, because if you do all those things, what you get does not reflect what was there in a living person. Right. Mm -hmm. Now, a guy named Harold Hillman proved this over 50 years. So, for instance, you know, uh, again, I could if I can share my screen of again. Yeah, you're the host now. <laughs> All right. So we'll get rid of pumpkin. Okay. Hopefully not forever, but um, so here's the cell, right? right. So you got all these things in there. Mm -hmm. Now <clears throat> they tell you that all there's this endoplasm, this tube, and that let's focus on ribosomes because that's where mRNA is made into protein. Right. right? So now you can see every ribosome is a perfect sphere right right now let me show you this in a, in another uh way hang on mm -hmm. um, get rid of this this is one of my favorite quotes uh it ain't what you don't know that gets you in trouble. It's what you know for sure that just ain't so. <laughs> yes. uh, like okay. I knew for sure the heart was the pump. Yeah. And right. I'm so like, there, oh, what? Now here's a ribosome in, in an electron microscope. Perfect circles. Here you see them. Oh, we can't see You, you stop sharing. You have to share again. Endoplasmic reticulum. And there you see the little perfect circles dotting the endoplasmic reticulum. Can you share You, you stop sharing. Oh, sorry. <laughs> You're right. fine. You were on a roll. <laughs> um, so I need to share again? Yeah. Yeah, you must have, so. you, you must have only shared like the particular window oh, or something. Yeah. Sorry. Okay. Um, so here's the cell, right? Right. According to Western modern science, I had just studied perfect, that in school. Perfect circle, right? Perfect mm -hmm. circle. Here you see it in electron microscope. Perfect little circles. Yes. And they dot the endoplasmic reticulum. Mm-hmm. 
and you see perfect circles and here's a color view endoplasmic reticulum and perfect circles yes now when you realize that one of the ways that this uh, was produced was all those uh, procedures I said right? Uh -huh, right including we put the thing in a blender the tissue in a blender uh-huh and so if it's a circle on a photograph it must have been a sphere in real life right yeah makes sense right okay. Mm -hmm. Now, what are the chances you put an orange in a blender and every piece is a perfect sphere? Slim Zero. To yeah. <laughs> Zero. Yeah, that's what they did. They got rid of all the water. They froze it, put heavy metal stains on it. And so that can't possibly be a real structure. Yeah, you can't. Because if it's a perfect a circle on a two-dimensional, it was a sphere... And you can't get a sphere when you do all those things. And he proved that it's actually a gas bubble that happens when a tissue is dying and the gas membrane picks up stain mm -hmm. and that makes perfect circles. He did that by controlling it and, and making the same picture without any tissue, without any cells. Wow. So he proved that that picture, and that's the only demonstration of the structure of a ribosome you can't see it in an elect in a light microscope so that's the only proof we have that it actually exists and you found this the same situation with virology you know where when you present these things with with people in that field they're they're not even admitting yeah you're right in, in orange would never come up a circle if you if you sliced it and blended it and did all that they, there's just they're just like no it just does what happened to hillman i mean they they banned him from publishing and he kept going and you can go and find his books and youtube and eventually died but oh. um uh, y they always say down well how do you explain that there are <laughs> ribosomal proteins i'm not saying there aren't proteins right I'm saying they don't come from a structure called ribosomes. Mm -hmm. Now, here's where it gets very interesting, if you want to get into where, where this really gets interesting. Of course. And let me share my screen again. We like interesting. So if you say, so what can you actually prove is in a cell? Because none of these, all these structures, you can only see under an electron microscope. Okay. So here's what you see in a light microscope. Okay. So that's minimally processed. You see a thin membrane, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. You see a circular, essentially dome-shaped nucleus. Okay. Right? Right. You see little dots, which are mitochondria. Mm -hmm. And the rest of it is organized water, like a watery gel, like Jello. Right. Yes. That's it. Now, my theory, and I can't say I can prove this, but mm -hmm. that because none of those other structures are real, they're all artifacts, they're all make-believe. Right. That the system that we're working with here is we have a an antenna in the nucleus, which is probably DNA, but the DNA is not in a spiral. 
it's the water is a spiral and the DNA makes up the the, the structure inside the spiral. Okay. The okay. Right? And it's embedded into a dome-shaped nucleus, which is embedded into a pool of, of gel, otherwise known as coherent or organized or structured water. And the way biology works is similar to a radio. So a radio has an antenna, and then the, the signals from the world, right? In this case, radio waves, right. which you can't see and you can't feel, and that doesn't prove they don't exist, right? Because you tune the radio, it, it, it accepts the signal, it comes down into the apparatus, in this case, it's circuitry, not water. Right. Mm -hmm. And it creates a sound. And insofar as your radio is tuned properly and picking up signals, it creates music or voices or, or sound. Right. And insofar as you're tuned properly, you make you living proteins. There's no code from DNA. There's no ribosome factories. There's just the downloading of information into the water that creates life. Now, where did I get that from? It turns out you can demonstrate that water can make images and just without any other uh, part, with no other code involved. Okay. So how do I know that? So you can take a Petri dish of water. Okay. We can do this at home? Uh, yeah, you got to practice it. The okay. woman I know who's very good at this. And she showed... Now, we're just talking about just plain water. Okay. We're asking the question, can water process information and give you an image or a picture or an output that tells you something about, you know, makes that... Uh, works with that input, right? That's what we're asking. Okay. So she shows the water Petri dish, a wedding invitation. Okay. Puts it in the freezer, takes it out, and the water does this. Wow. Wow. For those of you listening, it's a ring. Now, if you could say, well, why didn't the water sing, here comes the bride? Because the water doesn't have a voice, right? Doesn't have a, a larynx. Correct. It can use crystallization, and it makes a very clear depiction of the question you asked it. Wow. Now, That's all she ask, did? She just put it in the freezer? She had show the invitation, she, put it in the freezer? She put the Petri dish of water on a wedding invitation. On a wedding invitation. Okay, gotcha. And said, show me what you see. Now, wow. here's my, my favorite question for people, only... One person has got this right, not Pumpkin. Um, <laughs> uh, the question is, what is falling down? From the picture or just? So she asked the water, Okay. what is falling down? Okay. And the water said what? What is falling down? I don't know. It's, it's obvious when you hear it. Okay. <laughs> the absence of standing upright. <laughs> what is falling down? I mean, she's looking at the water. It could be her hair was falling down. <laughs> How about that? 
Ah, the London Bridge okay, from the okay, songs okay, yeah. of the Water Has a Memory. I mean, everybody knows London Bridge. Is right, falling. right, right. Yeah, except for me, I'm Brazilian. <laughs> <laughs> but think about that as a way to answer that question. Yeah. Yeah. How, how creative and brilliant that is. That is brilliant. Now, here, here's another thing that makes this even more interesting. Right. So my theory is antenna in, in embedded in a dome called the nucleus in, and that's in water. And the way it works is signals. So it could be uh, the, the sunlight, could be the moon beams, it could be the earth energy, okay. it could be your thoughts, it could be feeling consciousness that the 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 antenna is picking all that up, mm-hmm. bringing it into the into the into you into the human being. It gets amplified by the dome, and then downloaded into the water mm-hmm. to make a structure called you, or wow. to create energy. Now, look at look at these pictures. You stop sharing. Yeah, you stop again. sharing again. Yeah, I, I'll share. Okay. In a okay. Good. This really it, it feels like it ties into like the rice experiment too. How they you know did the different uh, positivity uh, at one bowl of rice with water in it, having right. that. Yeah, it's the same type of concept, right? But look at that. Wow. You know what this is? Taj Mahal. Taj Mahal. Okay. What are the components? We have a spire, antenna, mm-hmm. right? Right. We have a dome. Yep. We have capacitors, those are tubes, mm-hmm. okay. downloaded into water. I see. Wow. So who made this? What, the what Tartarians. Did they don't, don't say Tartarians. <laughs> <laughs> what did they know? I mean, what? so here's, here's another one. Who made it? Yeah, how did they know? So... Spike, you know, antenna, dome, column, yeah, I know. water. Yeah. How do they the, know? Wow, that's that the is Vatican. true. There's another one. Yeah. So, anyways, you start to realize that that <laughs> our our we're getting much more in this than we 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 were prepared for. <laughs> no, but this jives with with it's our awesome. experience. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, our picture of biology is primitive. Well, we, we did want to, this seems like a good segue because we wanted to take this into cancer. A lot of our families are being impacted by cancer. I think we're seeing an uptick in it given sure. what's happened around a lot of the, the shots and stuff like that. And, and uh, you know, when we look at our bodies as, as these antennas of, of water and, you know, we have this toxic environment that's continued to get worse, you know, decade after decade. I, I'm wondering if you could talk a little bit about cancer itself, you know, from a concept and how people listening that are challenged with cancer might be able to look at it a little bit differently, because we know that we have a challenge uh, discussing that with them. And, you know, obviously we're, we're not doctors and, and we, we don't have the background you do. So we'd love to just to hear, we, we know you wrote a book on it and, and, uh, and, and get your take so that we can fill them in. So you can see every medical situation and every actual natural healing technique 
as a as a, a manifestation of that model I just said. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Right. So here are the components. You either have a broken antenna. Okay. Or the input into your antenna is weird. Just like if you, if if the people making the radio waves didn't tune it right, right, okay. then you would get static. Uh, so you could be, you know, the sunlight is appropriate input into your antenna, whereas an EMF pulsed high intensity frequency is a toxic input into your antenna. Got it. Or your antenna could be broken or your dome could be messed up. But mostly it's somebody somebody poisoned your water. Yep. And so that's like, you know, think of your water like jello. And somebody put a poison grape in it. Okay. And it makes it so it doesn't have the right structure, It's which is called bond angles. You know, it's supposed to be like this perfect crystalline structure. But yours is all wonky because you got stuff in there like aluminum or arsenic or glyphosate or not enough minerals or wrong kind of proteins. And it's now this sort of funky jello. Mm-hmm. So the way you deal with that, imagine you had a, a poison grape in your jello. You heat the you heat up the jello. Okay. That's called a fever. And then you turn it into snot so you can you can you know get rid of it. Right. Mm-hmm. And then you reconstitute a more perfect jello. Got it. So that's what we do. Mm-hmm. You have you keep dissolving poison stuff in your jello. You try to get rid of it by getting, quote, sick, which is the healing process. Right. But because you go to doctors, they tell you you should stop being sick, which means you should put more poisons in. Right. Eventually, your body says, okay, I don't want everything in me to be poisoned, so I'm going to keep it in a garbage can called a tumor. Okay. Now you've got cancer. Mm -hmm. That's just like you've got so much uh, debris in your house that you do the appropriate thing to put it in some garbage cans mm-hmm. and put it in the garage and it's not so bad except then you keep adding more and more garbage and now it's in your kitchen and then the bedroom and then the living room and then pretty soon you can't live in your house and we call these metastases well, in, in, in cancers, like, um, I'm just interested because like ones where there are tumors, there are things that we know that we see, right. When, we, when we run scans, but then there are things where like, say someone who has, a um, their, um, um, uh, prostate removed and they're having their PSA continually go up. I mean, is that just a, does that just seem like a made up, uh, um, uh, you know, metric and, and it's really just meant to cycle them back through the, the, uh, um, I mean, to a certain extent, but the problem from what I just said, it's obvious that the tumor is not the disease, right? Right. The tumor tumor is the body autocorrecting response. Yeah. It's just like saying, if I dumped a whole bunch of garbage in your house, Right. And you said, okay, I'm going to put it in garbage cans, right? <laughs> right. And then I come along and say, you see, those garbage cans, that's the problem. <laughs> yes, exactly. So I'm going to cut out, I'm going to get rid of all your garbage cans. 
And then I'm going to put more more garbage in after. Right. It may actually help a little bit for a little while Uh because now you got rid of the garbage cans. But that's not the problem. That was the solution. That was the solution. And that's what medicine cannot understand. The things we call symptoms and diseases, you know, if you poison yourself, you make a, a you melt your gels, that's called a fever. Mm-hmm. You make snot, that's called bronchitis. That's the therapy for being poisoned. Yeah. It's not a disease. And if you keep poisoning yourself, you just get worse and worse sick, <laughs> as you would expect. Yes. And then your body does all kinds of strategies to mitigate that damage. And we call those diseases. Mm-hmm. There are no diseases. There are just imbalances and, and f- different mechanisms of poisoning or information that's not right. And the worst of it is misconceptions. So the main thing that makes people think sick, in my opinion right now, is they think they believe in make-believe. They live their life believing stuff that they have no idea how they came to that. They think there's a virus. Ask them how do they know that? No idea. Because the virologist said that they were. (laughs) Yeah, somebody told me. Somebody told me. Well, well, and we we had this experience through the pandemic where we very early, you know, after hearing you speak and then doing more research uh, in uh, ourselves, we were like, okay, this is nothing to be afraid of, and you know, we already um, do our best to eat healthy and and. Uh, you know, treat our bodies the right way. And so we went out living our life. In fact, we probably lived better than we, we had. The, yeah, the most adventurous life we, the past two years. We, 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 we moved before. to the beach on in California for three months. We moved to Brazil, another hot spot for three months. And we never got COVID, but we didn't ever believe we would yeah. get COVID. Or if we did get sick and got symptoms, we just knew, okay, it's just it's the just body detoxification. Cycling something. We'll support it. We'll drink more water. We'll eat better. Yeah, and there, there is no COVID to get. Yeah. There's so no you, COVID to get. Right. But now, when you, everything is COVID, you know. <laughs> right. People get sick, but they get sick for, for the reasons I said. Something is wrong either with the input, mm-hmm. or their you know antenna or dome or. Usually it's their water is poisoned and they're trying to heal. And that's why people get sick. If frankly, I think it's pretty much as simple as that. And that's sort of what freaks out the whole system because they have this trillion dollar enterprise of incredibly complex, you know, so talk, you know, and using words and concepts, like they say, there was a study, actually a friend of mine did this study, and it was, they said they were testing the difference between people who had uh, natural immunity versus vaccine immunity. Yeah. Right? There is no immune system, by the way. They made that up to convince you there's viruses. Oh, um, my gosh. So, so what, so they said... Here's natural immunity. They got they got the virus and then they became immune. Mm-hmm. 
So how did they know they got the virus? Great question. How did they know? Because people seem, they get so annoyed when I ask her, oh, yeah, I had COVID. I was like, what was that like? They I mean, how sick. did you know? They got sick. <laughs> and then they get so mad. They're like, I just had COVID, okay? Yeah. And so there, so basically, you know, and then they said there was a study that exposed people or a cell culture to or exposed animals to a cell culture, okay. which is not a virus. It's a broken down monkey kidney cells, etc. Mm-hmm. They call that being exposed to the virus, which is like saying, you know, somebody threw a big pot of, of mud and stones and it had a ping pong ball in it <laughs> and it got all over me and made me feel bad. And it was that ping pong ball. <laughs> Yes, and I know. The problem is nobody would say that they threw a ping pong ball at you. They would throw, say you threw a bunch of mud and stones. And by the way, it might have had a ping pong ball. Yeah, that's what I mean by they use words that are simply false. Mm-hmm. That's not what happened. And so they're basically the this the study was the difference in chemicals in a person who got sick and got better versus somebody who you injected with God knows what, because they don't know what's in there. Mm-hmm. And of course they're different. And that's what we call science these days. Yes. It's, it's crazy. Or people just tell you, you know, it was like the Spanish flu. It's because of the Spanish flu. This is like the same thing. So what happened in the Spanish flu? What do you think was the poison in the water at that time? I mean, it, you know, it was mostly vaccines. Yeah. If you look at who got sick, it was it was the, you know, the army people. It was people who they were doing at the same thing now, experimental vaccines. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And there was also radio waves big time for the first time. And, you know, it's always the same. There's input problem. In that case, probably radio waves. Mm-hmm. Or they were poisoning people by injecting them with basically toxins and that's how you get sick it's either the water you poison the water or you have a bad input that's Mm -hmm. it awesome so let's talk about treatments then because i remember in the talk that i listened you were talking about vitamin d but you said i talked about vitamin d in another talk and vitamin D may not be effective. And in the beginning of this, everybody said, if your vitamin D levels are low, you're more susceptible. susceptible and you should probably up your vitamin D by taking it. So what is your stance on, okay, we get sick and we're out of tune, we have poison, how do we go from there so we can restore? Vitamin D, is that an avenue or vitamin D is like... Vitamin D is not a vitamin. It's a hormone. Mm -hmm. Uh, And everybody who knows any biochemistry would agree with that. Mm -hmm. And the problem is taking a synthetic hormone always makes you worse. So what what again, the problem is to, uh, you know, there's no way to measure vitamin D because the tests are terrible. Also, that's good to know. I did not know that. <laughs> yeah, there's no test that tells you anything. Okay, great. Like no test so, period or this specific? I mean, very few tests, but vitamin. I was referring to vitamin D tests. Okay. Um, so what you're talking about, again, is the input. Mm-hmm. Humans who don't, who don't have the experience of being in the sun get sick. 
Why? Because the sun is one of our main sources of information and wavelengths and frequencies that is actually nourishment, particularly for the mitochondria, the red, the red wavelengths in the sun. Mm-hmm. So if you don't have that, you the get... The mitochondria is a thing? That is a real thing. Okay. You've seen them on light microscopes. All right. They, they make ATP, which isn't energy, but it, it, it attaches to the proteins in the cytoplasm and allows the water to create this gel. And the creation of the gel produces energy, which is why they think ATP produces energy. So basically what they're saying is, well, vitamin D is made from interaction with the sun. So if you don't have interaction with the sun, your vitamin D is low, even though they can't really measure it. And so then you get sick, which is that part is true. Mm -hmm. But to give you a synthetic hormone uh, to counteract that is ridiculous. What you need to do is get out in the sun mm-hmm. okay. or okay. use a red light uh, or both. And that then you actually do better without having the negative consequences of vitamin D supplementation, which is a little bit like prednisone and a lot of bad things will happen eventually, mm. which is going to happen to a lot of people, I think, who take way too much vitamin D. And you can never substitute a synthetic chemical for the real lack, which is sunlight. Mm -hmm. When you say, how how should people go about getting better? I mean, just think about how a human being lives. They're connected to the sun and the earth, usually barefoot at least sometimes they're wearing natural clothes they're interacting with plants and animals and wood and trees and making stuff and being created and having loving interesting relations and caring for themselves and other people they're eating clean food and drinking clean water and they're not structured, right? Structure water, structured, clean water, <laughs> and they're not poisoning themselves. So mm-hmm. if you want to know what to do, do those things. <laughs> How do you live? And move and move. Human being who stand sits around all day, especially in front of a screen. I have is, three screens. Is this that's a sick person? Yeah. But we also we, we we did make a move so we can immediately get out of yes. our house and into nature as quickly as possible yeah. after we detach from the screen. It was a screens. little a little cold up here, right? So well, now, Doctor Count, do you think there is, with all the toxicity in the world, and then seeing how people responded in this pandemic with more plastic pollution, with more hand sanitizers? With more, what else? I mean, with with less sunlight because the sun doesn't only give you cancer, but also you can be exposed to uh, COVID outside. I mean, is there anything besides, you know, besides how, how can we turn this around as far as down generations? I mean, how can a family of, like my family probably took some of my toxic load. I took toxic load from my mother is there hope? 
I, I, you know, I don't like talking about hope because uh, hope, hope, it turns out, was in Pandora's box, which is how all the evils in the world got in, got unleashed. All right? right. It was the last one, and there's two theories. One is that uh, they they left it in the box to give people hope. Mm-hmm. The other was it was the worst of the evils, and they luckily... It was? Well, the, the trouble with hope is, you know, people hope that this will work out. But they don't do anything. They don't do anything. Mm-hmm. And a lot of very uh, nasty people used hope as their, their you know, hope and change. Mm-hmm. So that means, okay, we'll sit around... I'm going to hope for the best here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. Yep. So it turns out it didn't work because <laughs> the worst came. Yes. And so hoping for the best didn't work. Didn't um, work. So I would say forget about hope. That's a, a concept. Mm-hmm. If you see something that isn't right, then do something about it. Mm-hmm. If your child is in a school and they're allowing your child to wear a mask, you don't want to be around those people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so then you have to do something, which means take them out, find other children and families mm-hmm. who have made the same choice, mm-hmm. figure out now you've got $20,000 more, right? To play with. <laughs> yes, that's true. <laughs> that helps. You've been talking and to you our school. Out, what are we going to do now? Well, we're going to, we know that this Cowan guy, he says we should go outside and, have a, a dog, you know, or a cat or uh-huh. a sheep. And we're going to grow some food and we're going to go to the beach and we're going to, you know, climb trees and things start to get better. Uh-huh. Yeah. You don't have to have a grand plan for how to, you know, rehabilitate the world because lo- lo- likely <laughs> or not, it's not going to work out. <laughs> but you could rehabilitate your situation just by doing the obvious things. Mm -hmm. If somebody allows your child to wear a mask, take them out of the school. Mm -hmm. And they may or may not get the message. And by the way, I might tell other people, take your child out of school. You take (laughs) half of the people out, the school then is going to collapse, which (laughs) is good. And they may decide to do things differently or not. That's their choice. Yeah. You have made a decision which I guarantee will make your life better. Yeah. And and you know it's funny, the most painful things that we've ever done have always worked out best for us. I mean, we moved halfway across the country thinking, are we nuts? It was one of the best things we ever did. You know, the school thing, I think we keep getting presented with this idea. Even some other people that we've interviewed, they're like, get your kids out of school, you know? <laughs> and and I think it's just, it's what the universe is showing up, and I, I think we can't probably ignore it anymore. Yeah, for sure. We're All so, right. We're just so glad to yeah. have you. Thank, Thank you, you so, so much. much. Is, is, is there anything, as far as our audience, that, that you, you have coming up? right away that you want to let anyone know of? I know you and uh, Dr. Kaufman work a lot together. Is there anything coming up soon? Uh, We're going to do another so-called COVID miss in June, I think, but we'll, so. I've been waiting. Keep track of our website. Okay. Um, 
Yeah, we'll we'll link everybody to that here. But oh, they, he's gonna say what his website. Oh yeah, go ahead. Yeah, it's just drtomcowan.com. Okay. Amazing. Thank you, Dr. Well, Cowan. Thank you so much for all you do. Thank you so okay, much for thanks, inspiring guys. us. And thank your wife for giving us some yes. time. Yes. <laughs> okay. Bye. 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 Recording stopped. All right, Fabiola. Let's go ahead and wrap up the Let's episode. Wrap it up. So, what 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 did you think? What was your uh, what was your thoughts on that? Oh, it was just first great talking to him and being able to ask all the questions that we've been holding on to. Yeah, we covered a lot of ground. We did cover a lot of ground. And I think I knew how he was going to answer a lot of that stuff. Mm-hmm. And sometimes you need to hear it straight from the man himself, mm-hmm. you know, as opposed to on a, on a, another interview that you might hear. Um, and from what he says, it's not that hard to change your life. But, but let, let's kind of summarize, right? Uh, first, Get your kids out of school. Get your kids out of school. <laughs> number one, get your kids out of no. school. Um, num- Easier said than done. Number two, uh, you need to. You, you are a product of your inputs. Mm-hmm. Okay, and that is every sense of the word when you think about it. It's it's what you're watching on TV. It's where you locate your physical body. You know, whether it's in front of a screen or whether it's out in nature. Uh, you become the things that you eat, you know, the molecules from those, those uh, foods and water, they become your body. And if they are made of nasty things, then your body becomes made of nasty things. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and, and what he was pointing out there is your water needs to be clean. It is an antenna. Mm-hmm. And when it is dirty water, it's like you are pulling down your defenses. And so as we are bombarded with more toxicity, you know, this actually, you remember we had the episode, I think it was like our second or third episode. Mm-hmm. We said, if it's not COVID, then what are people getting sick from? And it's because their antennas are being muffled. There, there is a, there is a concrete blanket over their antennas mm-hmm. and they need to clear that off. Mm-hmm. And it's, they're not gonna be able to do it without work. Mm-hmm. They're gonna have to, uh, um, you know, clean up Live their more like humans. I mean, you know, we're not perfect, right? You know, we we eat junk food here and there, but I mean, we've made a conscious effort wherever we can, you know, buy organic, mm-hmm. you know, it is more expensive. Even though we don't really know if the organic label is truly, you know, what the, the marketing is, it's... Yeah, I think Tom would say... Tom or would find say, a farmer, actually. Find a farmer close to you and see how they grow their food. Well, and Tom would say, take it into your own hands, right? Take it into your own hands. Especially we're going into the summer. Yeah. Experiment with growing a garden, Mm -hmm. you know, even if it's just... um, An herb garden or a flower garden. Yeah, even if it's just for salad. Play with the earth. Yeah, you don't have to start farming animals, you know, but uh, but do that. But then just really pay attention to that water. I, I really thought what he said about cancer... You know, which is really uh, um, parallel to the COVID story, you know, is that when our body is detoxing these things, you know, the tumor, the mucus, you know, th- this is the body's way. This is how we defend ourselves. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, we're pushing those things out. We're clumping them together. We're pushing them out. When we are eliminating those things, you know, cut, poison, burn mm-hmm. in the case of cancer, mm-hmm. uh, in the case of COVID, suppressing the symptoms mm-hmm. and whatnot, we are... Uh, eliminating our body's pathways to get rid of those things. Mm-hmm. And then we set ourselves up even worse for the next time yeah. that we we set off the mechanism. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, 
I don't know. I, I, I know there's a lot to uh, to take in, and, and there was a lot of visuals mm-hmm. on this podcast. So just to remember, we do have a Rumble channel, yes. and we'll be posting the video of this interview on that Rumble channel. The link will be in the show notes below. We'll put the link for um, our Telegram group. Mm-hmm. If you want to join us on Telegram, that's at the Collective Resistance Podcast on Telegram. And then we'll also put the links to, uh, to Tom... Uh, at uh, drtomcowan.com and I think there were some other show notes videos that we've uh, referenced that we want to we want to put in that as well so anything else that you want to you want to mention Fabiola I just want to mention I think we we in the crazy lives that we live we have a tendency to forget what it's like to to live like mankind and how nature is important in our lives and the sun, you know, we're afraid of the sun, skin cancer. We're going to have skin cancer. We're afraid of fresh air. We're afraid of so many things. But if you really start thinking about this critically, we remember that nature is our friend. So let's stop. Stop railing against it. Nature. Yeah. All right. I think that's well said on that note. Fabby, what do you want to tell everybody? Hey, everybody. Thanks so much for listening or watching. Stay healthy, stay safe, stay curious. <laughs>